All right, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful public school system here in Prescott, Arizona. The Prescott Unified School District has been serving children for over 150 years. And while the community and district has grown and changed considerably since 1868, the commitment to children, families, and the community remains the same to this day. PUSD welcomes all students, including those who live outside the district boundaries, because at Prescott Unified School District, every child, every day, Everywhere matters. Proceeds from your membership and our advertisers with Raven Productions goes directly to supporting the arts programs in the PUSD. to the Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today we have the most immensely brilliant musical composer I've ever known. His name is Nuno Malo. Nuno Malo has scored over 25 feature films both in the United States and in Europe. In 2011, Nuno was awarded Breakout Composer of the Year for the 2010 year at the IFMCA Awards, where he was also nominated for Best Original Score for a Dramatic Film with his score for Amalia. He was nominated alongside the scores of The King's Speech, Black Swan, True Grit, and Karate Kid. Nuno's score for LUV, which made it to Sundance in the dramatic category, was nominated for Best Score for a Feature Film at the Hollywood Music and Media Awards in 2012. Also nominated next to the scores of Lincoln, Life of Pi, Skyfall, The Master, The Hobbit, and Rise of the Guardians. Both his scores for LUV and for No God, No Master were in the pre-selected list of original scores in contention for the Oscars. If you'd like to learn more about Nuno Malo, please see our show notes to get links to his website and social media accounts. Hi, Nuno. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being my guest today. I am so excited you're here. One, because I haven't seen you in so long. But two, you're such a brilliant, brilliant composer. And I want you to tell me and the audience all about yourself because you're incredible. So let's start at the very, very beginning. Where were you born? Who is your family? Start at the zero to five years of age. Okay. Like, so I was born in uh, Madeira Island, uh, which is like a little archipelago off the coast of, of Portugal. Uh, and uh, I lived there like until I was about three, you know, because at the time my father was a guitar player on the hotel, uh, on, a, on, a, like a, on a hotel on the island. So I, I was born like in the hotel. That's like, a, it started very glamorous, my life, by being born at the hotel, a five-star hotel. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. So it's good. I, we were living like in an amazing bungalow, like all like with all made of glass outside and everything. It was some, you know, in the middle of a jungle kind of. Yeah, everyone else's retreat was your birthplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, like Madeira is kind of like Hawaii, a little bit similar, semi-tropical, and you know. So I was I was born there, and then moved when I was around three and a half uh, to continental Portugal, and I lived uh, like in the suburbs of Lisbon uh, and grew up there basically until. Uh, until the until I was about 17, 18, where I then, you know, moved. So that that was the early beginning. So you just mentioned your dad was a guitar player. So you had music in your household even as a young little person. 
yeah, you know, he was definitely my first introduction to music because, you know, he was a big music lover as well. And he, you know, he played guitar and he had all these records at home. So kind of I would listen to, I had access to a, like a, a wide variety of music at home. So I think I felt like I was exposed to music very early on. Uh, I love that. What about your mom? Was she musical yeah. at all? My mom was not musical, but she loved music. You know, she liked liked classical music a lot, and you know, so she. But she was not in music. My father was the only person uh, that was in music in my family, and he was self taught basically. He didn't have like a formal education. You know, he just played like in rock bands and had that whole thing. And then he eventually sort of transitioned into jazz. Uh, that was kind of his passion. You know, to sort of um, like crossover jazzy, like hybrid jazz, and you yeah. know, and. And and he also played like uh, as an accompanist. Uh, he played guitar on a lot of a lot of the Portuguese, like uh, with a lot of the Portuguese artists, you know. So I, I got a chance to as well experience, you know, like going to being on tours with him. You know, he would go like on a tour all around Portugal, and I would go to all these different towns and be really kind of up close with the with the, you know with the band, which was kind of cool. So I, I had that uh, that nice um, luck of being exposed to music from a very kind of. Um, Young sorry, from the, sorry, I had a chance to see it kind of from the inside. Yeah, and and well, I want to ask you more about that. But do you have siblings? I have a sister. You have a sister, and is uh, she she's... musical or older, younger? She she's not. I mean, she played like flute when she was like very young. She kind of tried a little bit to play like the recorder and something like that, but <laughs> it was sort of a brief affair, you know. And then she moved. She's artistic, you know. She does pottery, uh, and that's uh, so she she's she's also very creative and stuff, but not in music. Got it. So when do you think growing up in this kind of incredible, having your, your youngest years in this incredible romantical jungle place, and then moving back to mainland and being with a father that was musical and touring and getting those experiences, which most kids don't usually get to, you know, travel the countryside and, and see it through the eyes of music. When did you get bitten by the bug that music was something you yourself had a passion for a, you know, a bug for a, a capacity for. Yeah, you know, funnily enough, you know, you'd think like like that I would tell you now, like, oh, I started when I was four or something like that. But you know, actually I was a really late bloomer when it comes to learning music. And I don't know quite exactly why. I mean, I, I think but I remember like being really, really young and my father throwing a guitar on my lap, like when I was literally maybe three and a half or four. And like, I couldn't barely hold the guitar and it wasn't a guitar for kids. It was just a guitar, just try it. And I was like, uh, I didn't like the experience and it felt like it hurt the fingers when you press. <laughs> so I kind of rejected it, you know, and said, I don't like it. And then, you know, but he never tried again. I was kind of like these days, sometimes I a little bit, uh, when I think about the past, I, I kind of think, well, I wonder why, why he didn't try a little harder than like when I was maybe six or seven, yeah. but like, <laughs> yeah. he, kind of, he really like let it go then. And then I basically experienced, I mean, I loved music growing up. I was listening a lot. So I was more of a fan of, uh, of music and I, I listened, I was obsessed with different bands, you know, over a period of time, you know, and I was also always really fond of uh, movies and cinema. So I, I grew up watching like a, a lot of movies, like my, that was my favorite uh, pastime, you know, like on the weekends, yeah. I would just like go to the video club and rent like three or four movies and watch like. Uh, so you were, um, you were an early times binger. You, like now there's Netflix and everybody can binge, but you were like, give was, me four movies in a row. <laughs> total binger. And I would be, and I was a repeat watcher. I would like, if I liked the movie, then I would watch it like 10 times and know it by heart and all, you know, so I had the, 
you know, and it started my love for, for that started actually pre pretty early on with with a, a cartoon in my country that was that really kind of touched my heart, you know, and uh, and that I loved the music, and that was the first tracker that I, you know, like I got that as a birthday present when I was, I think, uh, when I turned five or something like that, and. And I would listen to that record like every day, you know, uh, which was basically the main title song of, of the cartoon. And it had like an instrumental version. And I, I sort of, you know, got into that. But, you know, that was at a very, very early age. Then I started to like, uh, you know, pop bands, you know, more like I would listen to, you know, Sting and Stevie yeah. Wonder. I grew up listening to that. And James Taylor, my father was a big fan. And like I, you know, and Pat Metheny was another one that he, you know, my father really liked. So I kind of got exposed to a, a wide range of, of, you know, popular music and jazz. And, That's uh, so cool. Yeah. So going into your, like, middle school, maybe pre-high school days, um, did you have, at that point, were you doing anything creative in your schooling? Were you the kid that was like, oh, I'll be in band or I'll go be in drama or I'll be in whatever? Well, not really, not at all. I mean, other than being like in a in a small like theater, playing the school in a primary school, I didn't really like you know. I didn't revisit music much later, you know. And like I think around the age of of eleven, twelve, I started to get really into like rock music. I was listening to you know, like I liked Joe Satriani and these guitar players, you know, like that were doing sort of hard rock and yeah, into music. So I was into Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, etc. And I, I, I was obsessively listening to that. So I got closer and closer to the guitar and like that. And then uh, when I was 14, you know, I spent like, uh, uh, I, I went to spend like a, a holiday with my, on my father's home. And he, uh, he was basically away most of that because he was on a tour or something. And I stayed and it was actually a, one of his best friends, you know, who was living in, in, that, um, in that apartment complex that uh, kind of question, he says, well, how come, you know, your father is such a great guitar player? How come you never like learn to play? And like, no, come on, that, this is, this is no, this is no good. You know, just grab the guitar. And he forced me to just like, he put the guitar on me and he forced me to learn like a chord progression or something. And then I started to, you know, I was kind of bored, didn't have what to do in that holiday. And then I just uh, spent all the time with the guitar. And then like, and then from there on, it was like really quick. I just, became, I already loved guitar music, you know, and, so then I decided that I wanted to pursue that. And then the following year, um, I, I mean, I, I think I went to to take some private lessons with the guitar teacher, like for classical guitar to develop a little bit of technique and stuff. Uh, and then the following year, um, I pursued uh, like a professional school. You know, I went out of the, the conventional high school and there are these special high schools in my country. I don't know if, there, if you have something similar here in the States where you basically have a few uh, standard subjects like the you know the main language like Portuguese uh, you know we had philosophy and English and then all the other subjects were just like music subjects so I had a, a really um, sort of musically this was my last three years of high school so, so then I, you had you know, this really transformational musical education like your whole compass became about music at that point Absolutely. But, you know, like I, you know, even in that time, you know, I was going through a lot of transitions because I, I really loved that, like, you know, the Satriani music and this kind of heavy, you know, guitar, you know, hero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like the early teenage, you know, uh, uh, you know, things that were happening in my life. And then um, once I started with music you know, I got really interested in, in the composition side of things. And I and I had always loved movies, you know, growing up, I loved right. like uh, you know, so I, I kind of was familiar, you know, with with John Williams soundtracks and that kind of stuff. And then, like, somehow very quickly I transitioned from, you know, the heavy hard rock thing. And I thought, like, no, I want to do, like, film music. 
And so it was around there, like when I was, you know, 14, 15 at the end, you know, around there that I, like, that I kind of really transitioned completely from pop music to like, you know, orca- I, I wanted to really learn orchestral music and learn how, 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 how that whole thing, Do how that old bit. Do you think at was- that time, the, the love that you had for movies dictated part of that movement to? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because when I was when growing up as a kid, as I didn't pursue the music thing, other than that little misfortunate event, you know, where <laughs> I was like, oh, years hurt. Then after that, you know, I was obsessed with films and I, and I kind of thought it's, you know, I had these dreams of maybe being an actor or doing something in movies, you know, like I had that, you know, but then somehow, you know, I didn't really like in Portugal, there's not really a great pathway, you know, to, to really um, doing that. You know, there's not so many schools and stuff. It's not so easy. And I, I didn't have anybody in my family who did that. So somehow I didn't really do that. It was kind of always more of a dream, you know, and something in the sort of back part of my brain, you know. Uh, and then uh, when I started with music, you know, very quickly, I just realized that, like, wait a second, this is something that I could, you know, if I would use my music abilities, you know, to do, you know, what I always loved, which was film. So I combined these two. I mean, I always loved music, obviously, as well. So, like, I felt, you know, very quickly I came to the realization that I would combine these two great loves of mine, the music and films. Yeah. So then I started did- in a very conscious path toward, like, okay, this is this is really what I, what I want to do. I loved films, and I felt like that this was my 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 angle on it was, was yeah. going to be through. How did that affect your relationship with your dad in that time of your life? A musician, now you're, his son's a musician. Was that a positive thing? Was there a camaraderie in that? Or was he like, finally, you're, you know, or you were three, you threw away the guitar and now look at you. Or was it kind of a, did he let you just have your space? How did that go? It was mostly positive you know because uh, i mean you know it was mostly positive he was very excited when when he saw that uh, you know that i had talent that I, I progressed very quickly in three years you know like i i really developed you know in in ways that i think he was very uh it wasn't expected to, to him you know and also because at that time you know there were you know my basically my mother was forced to move um to another town and uh, and basically, I, I moved with my moved in with my father. I asked him to stay with him because the school that I wanted to go, which was the school that had like composition, was the only school in Portugal that was teaching composition. You know, at this level, like uh, you know, and, you know, you could I, I, beyond that, you could only do like the the university in, in music composition right. and stuff. You had the conservatory, which is more like for performers, but composition, you know, original composition, really didn't exist anywhere else. So like I. I, you know, to the great sadness of my mother, I kind of said, oh, sorry, mother, I want to go live with dad so that I can stay in this town and, and um, continue, you know, continue my compositions. And your passion. So when I went to that school, the first year I actually went as a guitar player, classical guitar player. And then in that year, that's where I kind of, you know, I got exposed to music theory. There were some amazing teachers from Russia there that really had a great background in, in music theory. And I learned like choral, uh, like the choral harmony. Uh, four-part harmony and stuff and counterpoint and all that and I you know and I fell in love with that compositional side of things and then I on the second year I transitioned you know from guitar into composition as the main uh, as a main study and that was where my father wasn't so happy (laughs) (laughs) why I would think he would be like I'm so proud of you you're learning all this amazing stuff yeah, because you know, I, I guess he wanted, you know, he was excited that I would become a guitar player just like him. <laughs> right, right. You went so a slightly kind of, different yeah, direction. Was a slightly, you know, it was a bit of a, he, I think he was most of all like just very surprised. He couldn't really imagine that because he himself never really developed 
Uh, I mean, he wrote like a couple of things through the years, like, but he wasn't like a songwriter. He didn't really follow that path. He was really like a great performer. He was a guitar player on many, many countless records in, in, in Portugal. Uh, but he didn't develop his own like uh, uh, songs and, and, and music so much. So I think he kind of was surprised maybe more than anything. And it was somehow everything so sudden, like I was, so, you know, learning guitar. Then I went to this school to learn classical guitar. Then the next year composition, it was like a little bit, maybe everything too quick, you know. And then two years later, so this was like I did the second and third year, and then like I completed that that um, um, that school. And um, our composition teacher started to, you know, like on the last year, said, "Okay, you guys need to get ready and start to look what you're going to do ne do next." And he suggested there were good colleges in Germany and in England and France. And um, so he he encouraged us to start to research that. So I was like, I mean, I was I was completely shocked. I had never really, I mean, you know, like you know, it was it was always. I, mean, I never really even conceived the possibility of after three years leaving Portugal and going to London. Right. To you hadn't you hadn't really when, seen the long view yet. You were just like, I just want to learn really this. Excited. I was, you know, I was just kind of in the awe of it all. Like, oh my god, this is amazing. And music was sort of like a magical thing to me, like what it could do, you know. And I was really you know, going through that in a very, you know, I was just consuming as much information as I could, you know, per day, you know, like, and, and, and you can, if you are really committed and you have a good uh, access to information, you can actually learn a lot. In that age, you're very like, uh, you're more like awake. I don't know if you learn, it's true that you can learn. It's nice to have a base. I, if I would go back, I would love to have started playing an instrument when I was four or learning, you know, or developing maybe a voice, even like singing or something, because you can develop an, an instrument that, which is a little bit, you know, it's definitely harder once you grow up and you are fully mature. But, uh, you know, uh, on, on another hand, you know, in terms of theory and like, you know, you're, you're more mature at like at 14, 15, you start to have like more better conceived ideas of what you want to do. You know, like I think when you're four years, like who knows that they want to be a composer, what they want to do in there. It's just still all very like... Um, so basically, yeah, I, I just did as much as I could in that time. And when, when my teacher suggested that, I was a bit like shocked and it really opened up... Um, a new possibility for me. So we, I started to research. I even looked at America at the time, you know, but uh, it was just in that time very expensive for me to come. So it wasn't possible. Whereas in, in, in Europe, we had these wonderful programs where we could do exchange, you know, so like all my studies were paid for. I went to study at the London College of Music and um, got accepted there and then just, you know, packed my bags and... and <laughs> you were like, see ya! <laughs> and, and all of it from one day to the next, you know, like I was alone in the in a big town and how, like it was how was that portuguese is obviously your native language were you yes. already speaking english from a young age i mean we learn like english in school as a second language but like not really i mean i it was just all a bit of a shock i i, I was good at i mean i was a good student in, in english you know like at school but like i didn't have the the fluency you know but it, it goes very quickly i mean i, I grew up you know looking you know lis listening to a lot of you know That's music true. all in english and I, I saw all, you know, American and, you know, and, and English films. So uh, I really had, I think, the sound of the language. Uh, so it was more like just like kind of losing the shyness and like starting yeah, to and speak. Yeah, being so in the I practice of it. Months, I was like a really completely comfortable. Yeah. Um, that was a fairly easy transition. That's so that. cool. Yeah. And, and anytime you're abroad and immersed in another language, your ear is and your brain is forced to sit there and work harder than it would in a textbook, which is really cool. How did you feel about being in... Fancy old London by yourself. I mean, you said you packed your bags, but how was that 
evolution as a human? Like, how did your spirits and senses awake to musical ideas and just culture in that time of your life? I mean, it was kind of a culture shock, you know, but in a good way. But it was completely, there was absolutely no no reference, you know, like it was everything different. I mean, the architecture was different. The language was different. The people were completely different. The Just everything. But, you know, the most uh, exciting thing for me, the most beautiful part of the experience was that I felt like I could reinvent myself, you know, I was in, you know, like somehow when you grow up, you know, like, but, you know, the time I went, I was like, I was just about to turn 18 when I went to London. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, nobody knows me. I'm a completely new, I have the, you know, I just, I felt like I could reinvent myself, you know, the way I wanted, you know, without people knowing me saying like, oh, no, you're not that, or you can't do that. You know, you, you have no limits because no, nobody knows who you, it's, you know, so that's a great opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's uh, you really it get helped to... me to grow up and form my personality on my own way. And it was yeah. especially because it's not like my whole family moved there. I, w- I went alone. So, you know, uh, so it was a really great experience. In yeah, that you sense. get to I... paint your own canvas with whatever you want to create in your life, which is pretty cool. Was your mom like, you're moving even farther? <laughs> oh, you know, it, it was very hard for her. I mean, it was, you know, when, when she moved to this uh, like countryside, when I stayed with my father, uh, it was already very hard for her that, you know, like that, you know, I would need to go there every like two weeks and yeah. it was like a two or three hour trip. It was even difficult for me because I was so busy in those three years. I was the busiest I ever was like in school because it was, I had, I was busy from like 8am, you know, all the way until like 11. I mean, I had not one moment. I was just basically eat meals and the rest was just studying and, you know, being at school, but still I had to visit her there and it was already very hard for her. When I talked about America, she got insane. You know, she was yeah. like, really? Like, you know. <laughs> she was like, that's it. London, you know, so like London was like, okay, at least that's not as far as America. For, for America, she was just like, she really didn't like, she was terrified of it. And I was very close with my mother. We had a really, really close relationship. So it was really hard for her. Um, so yeah, but uh, so it, it, was, it was very tough. You know, it was tough for me too, because I mean, I, I was not really prepared for something like that. You know, I mean, I didn't, I needed to learn how to cook. I needed to learn how to take care of myself. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, the thing about college in any forum, whether it's a music conservatory or anything else, it is this time in your life where you are independent for the first time. And yeah. in so many ways you are prepared. You've done all your studies. You're ready for the curriculum. You know what you want to go in and soak up like a sponge, but there's a lot of life living that is just different on your own than with a parental figure. Absolutely. You know, and, and, uh, you know, yeah. And that was a big part of it. You know, I, 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 I loved that, you know, I felt like I changed a lot and, and, uh, became an adult there, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I feel like it's very liberating. It's like that thing that when you're close to your family, you know, they're constantly pointing, you know, pointing out things, you know, about yourself that maybe you don't like or anything, but, you know, when you are in a new country with new friends, new, there's absolutely no references. It's like an amazing opportunity to just start over and you know? like it's a restart, reboot completely. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like you get a chance to do it the right way. Now, now you're going to create the person you want to, you're going to be the person you want to be. And, you know, yeah, when it's you very liberal and very healthy. In your studies, were you finding, uh, in composition, was your mind just like being blown left and right? Did you feel like you were getting more influence from kind of the British pop culture? How were you evolving in your artistry at that time? It was also, you know, it's a completely different style of teaching because in Portugal, I was in this like Russian school. It was all Russian teachers, like in music. I had like the theory, the main teacher was, was Russian. And uh, that was like about my piano teacher was Russian, you know, so I had all of that background, which is, you know, very 
it's very good, you know, it's really great to, to learn sort of the basics and harmony and like in a really like hardcore way. I mean, it was serious business. <laughs> Russians are intense. Like, was, yeah, no, I mean, it is really, it's really, really serious. So that was an amazing base, you know, but like uh, uh, in, in England, you know, the Anglo- Anglo-Saxonic um, approach is much more like, it's much more broad and, you know, like, like you said, it, 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 it it's much more accepting of different influences and, and less rigid, you know. So for me, it really suited me because in in uh, in that school, I was slightly constrained in Portugal, where I was like I needed to follow certain patterns, you know. And they wanted, you know, they wanted to. They were like very much into the into the sort of atonal, uh, dissonant, you know, type right. of writing, you know, which was something that kind of was interesting for me to experiment a little bit. But obviously, in the in the in what I wanted to pursue in film music, that was there was not like a whole lot of room for that. I needed to develop like harmony and other types of music, you know. How did the, so? And I wasn't really, you know. I didn't really have a lot of room to do that in Portugal, which is fine because I was just like starting to develop myself. But then in England, you know, like I really felt like I was given an opportunity to bloom and to express uh, my own ideas. And, and I was fully supported and I, I wasn't criticized for it. So like even in that respect, it was like now I was allowed to be who I wanted to be and express what I wanted to express and be praised for it instead of like, uh, you know, because in Portugal, I did try sometimes to write something a little bit like that would be, you know, uh, you know, that would be appropriate in a film music, you know, in context. And that was like ridiculed a little bit, like, because this was like, there was a, a, little, a small amount of snobbery and like, yeah. oh, that's not a little music, you know, elitist serious. kind of, this is how yeah, we've always I, done it. Yeah, serious music, you know, like yeah. there, there's serious music and then there's like sort of commercial music, you know, film music is part of commercial music. It's not like Got serious it. music. And uh, there was a little, in some moments, slightly, you know, especially because of the age, you know, like I was still very young then, you know, it's, it was a little bit difficult, but I stayed true to myself, you know, like I really, you know, never, I, I did what I had to do there and I learned, you know, a great basis for, for what I then developed later, you know, um, yeah. but it was in England that started like the, the, the creative journey. I feel like it started in, in England because I was all of a sudden allowed to go the direction I wanted to go. And, uh, in and I had those studies do, because you were a composition major, did, were you already at that point now in college? Were you learning how to officially score films? Were you being put in front of that capacity yet? What was the stage? Okay. Like, how do they teach you that? Yeah, no, not at all. At that time, it was just a, sort of a, a general, you know, classical composition, you know, uh, course. So I was just writing little pieces, you know, like I, I, I think the first piece I wrote was for a solo violin, you know, like literally like nothing else. And then I wrote a piano piece after that. Then I think I wrote a piano and voice piece. And then I wrote a string quartet. And then I wrote like a wind band piece and a brass band piece. And I started to kind of get bigger, you know, like it was a three-year bachelor. So now I I have to ask because I... I like to think of how my audience would want to ask questions because sometimes I know nothing about anything. So I'm going to ask a stupid question. Being somebody who learned guitar, and and this is my immediate question for all composers, perhaps you are, but perhaps you're not. Do you play all of piano, mandolin? I mean, do you play every instrument that you compose fluidly? How does that work? Uh How do you put your brain on instruments that maybe you know well or don't know well? I guess, you know, the more instruments you play, the better. I mean, I, you know, I play a, a good amount of, of, uh, of instruments, you know, that I've sort of through the years I acquired and I, I, I always had interest, you know, to know how to play things, even if not to, not to be really amazing at something, but just to know what are the, you know, how does an instrument work? You know, I think it allows you to, to write better for that instrument. So I, I would absolutely encourage that people learn to play. I mean, I, I forgot to say, like in the education in, in that school in Portugal, then I, I had piano 
uh, as a second instrument. So I learned, I started to learn piano as well in those three, in those yeah. like three years, basically, more or less. So when I went to England, I was already, you know, and then I sort of abandoned the guitar. I mean, the guitar became something on the side. I, I still could play, but I stopped like learning, you know, trick, uh, you know, classical guitar. And uh, so piano became sort of my main instrument where, where I would write it, you know, uh, yeah. and, and I developed it, I think, to a higher level probably than guitar then because I played for more years, you know, in school. And in England, I continued to have piano as a as a secondary instrument as well, you know, like, and I, I, I also learned conducting, you know, uh, in, in that in England. Um, but basically, so the question was like, do you need to play? You don't basically, I mean, you don't need to play the instruments to, to write for them, but obviously the more, you know, the more you can play, I think the better you understand how an instrument works. And if you play, you know, if you play a, a bowed instrument, you know, uh, then you understand like just, uh, sort of mechanics of it you know how, yeah. how does it work when you you know when you put pressure on a bow and when the bow goes faster you know from one side you know you just learn uh all these kind of things that if you just look i mean you can also learn a lot by listening others play but i think when you have to do something you you understand certain uh challenges of of, of specific instruments so i think it's cool or learning a woodwind instrument you know like the the whole mechanics of air and breathing and having to have, you know, like a, how, how can you phrase something in a way that it's natural to play and that you can still breathe. And, you know, like uh, obviously right. uh, a string instrument, you don't need to breathe the same way that, I mean, you still breathe when you play the strings, obviously, <laughs> but you don't, you don't require breathing to produce sound. Per right. se. Uh, so there are different challenges and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I play a few instruments. I've, I've learned to play uh, several like uh, flutes, ethnic flutes, which is something I really like because I like to bring that to bring like different flavors to some of the scores that I do. And uh, I play several stringed instruments, you know, like some ethnic ones as well. I play like a, a South American guitar called Ron Rocco, uh, which is, you know, you're it, amazing. Sort of, uh, <laughs> you are. I love hanging out with you. I love hearing all these things because you're amazing. The way your brain like thinks of, and we're going to get into this uh, in the next chapters of your life as we keep talking, but the way your brain can visualize sound and then make it happen. I don't know. It's incredible. But, you know, I think it all, I mean, it all starts, I think the most important part for me of music is really it's something internal, you know, like the, the, the instruments and, you know, uh, instruments are basically vehicles to express, you know, but I really, I really believe that music, you know, even for a performer, you know, who might not even be somebody who writes music, but I think that the emotion starts from inside you, you know, and then the instrument is sort of a vehicle that you can perfect and get better at so that the message, you know, gets crisper and crisper, you know, the way that you transmit the, the, the message, you know, that's then technique and stuff. But I believe that it starts with the genuine um, sort of, uh, I, I guess it's almost like a, an ambition to tell, uh, you know, like a will to tell, to sort of communicate in this language that it's miraculous because you, you're able to somehow express things that really are somehow different from, from you know, poetry or, or other, other arts. It's just some, something very unique about music that seems magical. You know, still to me, after all these years of making, there is just sometimes, you know, something about music that you just don't understand why something is just so damn beautiful, why a certain progression of chords hits you in a certain way, yeah. you know. And, and uh, so there is this, there's this element uh, that I still can't fully uh, comprehend, you know, how it all, how yeah. it all hits in a certain way, you know what I mean? How, when did you actually get your fingers and your eyes and your ears and your heart and your mind to put the talent that you have cultivated over this time period 
to a film. And when you did get that opportunity, were you nervous as hell? Because I mean, like, you know what I mean? Was that a senior thesis thing? Was that your first job out of college thing? Like, when did you actually get to put pen to paper on, I'm going to be a composer for film now? Right. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, in school, I had opportunities to do it just still as a student, you know, to score, you know, little scenes of yeah. films, you know, short films and stuff. So like in England, um, by the time, you know, like I finished The Bachelor, then they had like a, a, a course, a master's in film music. And uh, I enrolled in that, you know, so like that was my last year in England. I, I, I did that. And then I had plenty of opportunities to to try out like scoring. I think I, we scored like a black and white, you know, old movie and we rescored it. And it was a silent film and I did the whole. So that was the, the first, you know, experiences, you know, that I did was in school. And then after that, I came to USC and I did the, the film music program that they have at, at USC, which is, uh, you know, quite, quite um, prestigious. And it's, uh, you know, it's considered one of the best, you know, to really have, like, get some practical experience and score scenes of, yeah. you know, we had there to score scenes of, of well-known films. and Yeah, yeah so I'm going to stop you there for a second because I don't want to jump too far ahead without talking about that because that takes you across the pond, you know, and yeah. farther away from home. Um, when you first were scoring those little, like, the little black and white films that were old classic, did you ever have an experience as you were learning in this stage of your life where your mind said, Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And then you paired it with the imagery. And then you went, I don't know if that works the way I thought that was going to work. Like, did you ever have those push? Oh, absolutely. No. I mean, I think, you know, you have to be very open-minded, you know, I think to do music for film, you have to have a lot of curiosity, you know, in my opinion, like I, I, I'm very curious about music and about, why things work in a certain way or don't work in a certain way. So it's, it's all experimentation, you know, and it's all very intuitive, you know, sure. Like, you know, you might, you know, you might look at a, at a, at a scene and I think, you know, oh, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. And if you're like, I, I get it, you know, and this is going to be this kind of music. And then, you know, and then you start to do it and, and uh, you just realize that some things don't work, you know, like, and you need to have that. You need to sort of be at the same time you're a composer, you need to be an audience member and, and have that, you know, you need to right. switch back and forth. be constantly seeing it, you know, as an audience member. Is it hitting it right? Is it, you know, like, and I can't, you kind of know it. I mean, of course, there is, you know, I might do something and the next person might think that I did something completely wrong and not, you know, uh, but still, uh when you're doing it, at least that it's for you, good, you know, like, uh, you know, but you need to have that honesty to yourself that like, no, this is just not working. I, I was thinking this was going to be the thing, but it's, you know, but it's not. Yeah. So I think it's a point, it's a, it's a process of experimentation of trying out different things, keeping an open mind and uh, just seeing where, it, where it leads, you know, like you, you try several things you know, you throw several things at the movie and, you know, see what sticks, you know, some yeah. things like, yeah, immediately, some things are immediately obvious and you say, oh, this definitely works. And some things you are not sure. Sometimes you need to spend some time with it and, see and then you kind of start to see that it's going to work or you start to see that it's not going to work you know but sometimes it's obvious you know right away like oh no this melody it's totally not here gonna right. it's not just not gonna work so then you graduate out of your master's and then you think there's this other program in the united states like how were you already researching the next steps at this point were you at or were you still kind of just going i just love this i'll see where it goes like had you made up your mind yet of this is my life path like where were you at as you're approaching graduation so basically, as I was approaching graduation, you know, like when I applied for the school in England, I also applied to USC for a bachelor and, you know, but I couldn't afford it. It was just too much at the time. So that was always a dream of mine, you know, to kind of go out because I knew about that film music course since that since the time I went to England that I was aware 
that was uh, the, the film course that it was my goal to do it. But I thought, why not do the bachelor there as well? So I, I just tried to apply and it was financially not possible for me. So it was always a goal like that, that at the end of the uh, of my program in, in England that I would uh, um, that I would just, you know, try to, to see if I could enter and that's, you know, and do the, the USC program in film. Uh, so I applied for that in that last year and managed to, I had a, and I had a friend of mine, a colleague of mine uh, from Greece who was like, uh, he was a year ahead of me or two years ahead of me, perhaps. I think he was two years ahead of me and he went to the, to the program. Um, and uh, so I was really excited and I stayed in touch with him. And then, you know, like, so I kept, you know, I kept asking him questions. How was it? And he, he gave me great feedback about it and said that I should do it. So, um, so then I, I basically applied for it, but then I had like a major challenge was that in the, you know, in the last year of my program, uh, I, I met, you know, this beautiful girl. I was, Ivana. that was my next, I'm like, where in this storyline do we get to meet Ivana? So basically, yeah. So I, I thought I had it all worked out. I'm going to finish my <laughs> program and I'm going to go to America and I'm going to be this film composer and stuff. And, you know, and I, I fell, you know, badly in love, you know, with, you know, with Ivana. Uh, so then it became, I remember like I, I started to date Ivan and, and maybe like three months later or something, I got the acceptance letter for, for USC and I didn't even know if I was going to be accepted. It was still experimental. And I remember being, you know, that was one of the like weirdest days. I was like completely devastated. I was happy and I was crying, you know, and happy and sad at the same time. I didn't know what to do, but I was saying, oh, no, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay in England with Ivana. And yeah. so it was kind of very difficult. But, you know, she was very gracious and said, no, what are you talking about? Come on, you planned all your life to do this. You're, you're going and, you know, so we then like it became a challenge of like, OK, but we have to then get you there as well. Yeah. And so this I feel that, that when I then came to study in um, in America, you know, basically my life was just like, you know, going to school, you know, and then the rest of the time spending on the phone with Ivana. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know what was more expensive, the school yeah. or the phone. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I, I really sunk myself into a nice chunk of debt, but it's worked out just fine because you guys are, you know, very much still in love and married and wonderful. Um, and she was also in music and she is still in music. So you had that in common as well. She was studying, uh, she was doing a, a master's degree at the, at the same university that I was. And, and uh, we, we were introduced by a, a, a colleague of mine, you know, who's a pianist as well, who, who, yeah, just, you know, she, she kind of knew I was going <laughs> to, she sort of knew it, I think. But so, so she said, Oh, I think you have to meet this girl. I think you're going to like her. And I said, Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> And, um, and then the rest, as they say, is history. And the rest is history. Yeah, like 20 <laughs> years later, you know, here we are. <laughs> okay, everyone. Today's episode was recorded at and brought to you by Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Raven Sound Studio is a professionally equipped audio production facility offering recording, mixing, and mastering services throughout northern Arizona and surrounding areas. Whether you are looking to cut a demo, record your next single, or have a full album produced, Raven Sound Studio has the tools and skills you need to get the job done. For more information, head to www.ravensoundstudio.com to book a session or schedule a tour. So when did you go through your program at USC, and you're loving mm -hmm. it, I'm assuming, and learning yeah, a lot. And then at that point, as somebody who, because I know that there's educational visas, work visas, all of this stuff that is the red tape of being cross-continental. How did that work as far as once you were done with your program or while you were in your program? How did your citizenship work or your living situation or all of that? Yeah, I didn't really know anything about that, you know, and I didn't know 
what I could do. I just basically had like, I, I had a big hopes, I guess, that like of somehow that there's going to be something that's going to happen that somehow allows me to get some kind of permission to stay, you know, like, and then it was actually close to the end of the course that, uh, you know, that friend that had studied there, you know, I was talking and then he told me that there was uh, something called uh, an OPT, which is like an optional practical training that international students get uh, the opportunity when they do like um, when they do a program in, in a university in America that everybody has the right to stay one year and get, uh, you know, get authorized employment, you know, like will basically work for a year to try out, you know, what they've learned. So I, I applied for that, you know, and then uh, in the following, uh, uh, you know, the, that was basically for a year. And then during that year, I tried to get some opportunities here and I got some, I did my first film in Portugal. And then through that, you know, and through one of my um, uh, teachers uh, at USC, you know, who was like a well-known composer uh, called Christopher Young, uh, I was able to get like sponsored by him for uh, to apply for a, an O-1 visa, which then gave me the permission to stay extra three years, you know, and then it just kept on going like that. You know. That's until amazing. I until I eventually like, uh, you know, I, I think in 2011, then I, I finally got my uh, green card and... Uh, so I'm like a more. At what a, point did a, Ivana come over, and how did that work? I mean, how did did that test your relationship at all? I have to ask because long distance is not always easy. Yeah, I mean, I I, would, I guess you know in some ways I guess it tested, but it made it stronger as well because I guess you know if something wasn't meant to be, you know, like it would fall apart completely because right. it is very hard, and you know, but we were you know like we were spending so much time together over the phone, you know, like there was no, you know, so I think in some ways it got strengthened because you get to experience all of this, like you know. Uh, you know, you, you get to experience each other's personalities, you know, you're fire, all you can do is talk, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, it teaches you a lot about each other. And, you know, yeah. so it was, it was very beautiful in some way. And uh, she came to visit, you know, like that uh, in, in the Christmas holiday and spent here like five weeks. So we managed to do that. And then at the end, uh, I, I was, uh, I received like an award at, uh, at USC, you know, for one of the pieces that I had done in the program. And I took that money and I bought myself a ticket to go to London. Yeah. And visit her uh you know like at the end of the course and then she managed you know in that year we were planning you know to organize for her to come and continue her studies here and uh she applied to several colleges and you know finally she managed to get as well accepted into usc and she she started a a doctoral program there um uh, the following year basically so she joined me we were basically just a year apart and she came in august and started her it's a there. shame you both are so brilliantly talented. I, I mean, that must be so incredibly hard. <laughs> I love it. You're like, you know, she just came to her doctoral program and we're both are brilliant. Well, and, you know, was, we're winning I mean, awards and we're great. We're amazing. So <laughs> it was so challenging for her because she had to do like a GRE test, which is like a logic test. I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with those. Um, they are really, really uh, terribly hard, you know, terribly difficult uh, exams that they do on all different kinds of subjects. I, I didn't have to do that somehow for my program. I don't know why, but uh, she somehow was, was uh, I think for a doctoral, they, they require it. My program was not really, a, it was not technically a doctoral. It, it was just like a postgraduate uh, diploma at USC. You know, it's just a very practical course. So it didn't, I didn't have that requirement, but she had to study a lot, you know, to pass <laughs> that exam and she did really well. So, you know, but it was challenging and just finding a, you know, finding the, to make everything work, you know, financially and everything. Yeah. It's, it's just such a challenge, you know, like, especially coming from, uh, from across the ocean, you know, it really makes things Tough. difficult. How did you go about finding, because you mentioned you got a film in Portugal, but you're living in the United States at this time, right? How, mm -hmm. for people listening, myself included, how does one go about, now obviously I know technology plays a role in this, 
But when yeah. I think when I think composition, I think big orchestras and nice. you know a big screen of the movie nice. and I you know so when you are across the pond like that and you get hired for a film in Portugal, yeah. how, do you just bring those film credits here and then use orchestras here? Is it on a computer? Are you watching an orchestra there? How are you doing that? Right. Yeah. I mean, at that time, things were not as developed as they're now. And there was some of that already happening, but not uh, like not so much the remote recording and stuff. So, I mean, I have to say I was kind of lucky, you know, because I the way that that first film came about, you know, was that I had a, a I think in the previous year I had done a piece um, for a, there was like a program for young composers that I applied to, you know, to write a piece to be performed in one of our main halls in, in Portugal. So they did a presentation with, I think, three or four composers and I was one of the selected ones and the person who organized that knew a director in Portugal who was preparing his next film who was shooting at the time next film and he saw my bio that I was studying film music in America and he liked my piece and then he said he he thought well this may be an interesting solution for his friend director so he invited the director to the to the concert uh, he he saw the concert and liked my music and contacted me you know so like as I finished literally like I remember finishing uh, the program in May of 2000, uh, May of 2001 at USC. And I get an email from like this, like director saying, Oh, like, uh, I, w- I would like to, you know, talk to you about, you know, writing music for my film. Are you available? Would you be interested? And I was like, really, you know, this was pure luck completely out of nowhere, just appeared in the exactly the right time, you know. And then at the time I was in that process of getting my visa and I actually wasn't allowed to travel until, you know, when you're in this uh, process of being, Except that you, you can't leave the country, otherwise you can't come back in. So I was like torn because he wanted me to come to Portugal, you know, to meet him and to talk and everything. I right. said, oh, I'm really sorry, but unfortunately, I don't think I can come right now. I have this visa situation. And so he very, you know, graciously said, well, I guess if you can't come, then I guess I'll go there. <laughs> so <laughs> just awesome. like, uh, I was shocked. Yeah, you know, I was very, very lucky that he was so, you know, so eager to work with me that he just took a trip, you know, and spent here like a week to meet me and talk about the film, showed me the film and we talked about it. And then we did some of the work, um, um, you know, he went back to Portugal and we, I did started to do some of the work from fire and send him stuff over the internet. Uh, and then he came to work for another like two weeks, I think in the middle of the process, he came uh, and stayed in, in LA and would come every day to my home to, you know, to work on the music. Wow. Uh, and then in the end, I, I went to, I traveled to Hungary, you know, and I did a session with the orchestra in Budapest, you know, which was my first like fully professional session. It was really exciting, you know. How did, how did that feel? It I mean, was amazing. You, you have all this beautiful education preparing you for these moments. And then it's yeah. like, now's payday, like where I'm going to show up I, in Hungary. I, no, and- no, you better show, you know, you better show your parents what you've been, yeah. <laughs> what you've been learning. It's How did that enough. go? <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, I, I had had some, some really nice experiences at USC, you know, like cause that was a very practical course and we would record uh, at Paramount Studios, like maybe 10 or, you know, 10 or 12 times throughout the year. So I had experience doing it for different kinds of ensembles for a full a full orchestra as well. We did a piece and for string orchestra. So I've had, uh, you know, some, you know, decent opportunities of trying out things, but to do like a complete score with that, you know, was kind of still novel to me. Uh, so, you know, it was just very exciting, you know, like, and, you know, a bit, a bit scary, of course, you know, like I didn't, you know, I didn't conduct the orchestra back, you know, in that time, I just wanted to be in the booth and like, make sure that everything sounded yeah. nice. And, you know, so, uh, you know, it was a great first experience. And at, at that time, you know, it was very unusual in Portugal. They really rarely used, uh, hired orchestras to do things, you know, like, and, uh, 
So uh, I really, you know, in the years that followed as well, I mean, I really pushed for that, you know, so that people were starting to use more orchestra in film because I thought it was something that really added uh, added a lot to a, to a film score and to a film, generally speaking. So, you know, I worked hard on that in the, in the years that followed, you know, in, in some other Portuguese films that I worked. Is it common to not use an orchestra? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's all kinds of situations where you use just a few instruments or no instruments whatsoever, you know, and just you do it all in the, you know, all in the computer with yeah. samples and stuff, which is not the most fun way to do it. You know, and one of the reasons why is in some ways, you know, one of, one of, one of the reasons I learned to play all, this, all of these instruments is that in certain situations when you work on a low budget independent film and you still want to have a very organic sound, you know, and there's no money to hire musicians, then, you know. You're like, you it's go. me. <laughs> you can grab a guitar, you can grab a, you know, you can grab a, a stringed instrument, you can play the flute, you can play percussion, you can do, you know, bring a lot of elements, you can sing a little bit, whatever, whatever you need. And like, I think it really adds a lot. When you combine uh, you know, sampled instruments, you know, with, uh, with something organic, then all of a sudden, you know, everything comes more to life and becomes better. Um, oh. so it, it, it varies really. I mean, it varies on the type of film, you know, the, the, the size of the film and what kind of score the director is looking for, you know, and it's, yeah. What would you say from this point in your career was the stepping off point or when did you, cause I know you've scored the Celestine prophecy, which was a pretty big movie. What, how did that, start to come about in your world right so i think i did basically like two films in portugal you know and uh or three films i think i did three feature films in portugal and then the self-esteem prophecy came about i think into end of 2004 you know i started to pursue it you know i, I found out that it was being made you know i uh, and, and basically I just really pursued it it was something like i i, I had always heard that cold calls are not really the thing to do and <laughs> But I didn't have any other way. So I was like, okay, so who's the producer of this film? You know, and then I just looked him up and I was fortunate enough to find his personal phone number. And I, I called him up, you know, and I, I just got the courage. I was very nervous. I'm not this kind of person who does this. <laughs> I, I thought, well, I have to, I had read the book, you know, so I was right. kind of, uh, I really enjoyed the story. And so I thought, wow, this, this is, this is meant to be, you know, like I had a strong belief in it and I called the producer and asked to submit for it that I was really passionate about the book and said, okay, send me something. And then it was like a long process. I mean, this was like such a role, the self-esteem prophecy was a roller coaster of, of emotions for me because it was obviously, I didn't have any name at all in America. I was at the very beginning, I was very young, you know, and it was very hard to convince everybody involved in the film. Like, I mean, and so I, I did first a, a I sent a, a demo of like uh, pieces that I had from before, uh, mostly stuff I had done at school and some of the stuff I had done in, in some of those early films. And uh, he liked it a lot, but he said, okay, like now I want to hear something that you would do for the film. Like, how would you score the film? Show me a few, a few themes. You know? So I, I created something inspired by the, by the book more or less. And, uh, and I hired like, um, at that time I didn't play yet actually flutes, you know, this is something I learned later. So I hired a, a really great, um, ethnic flute player that I knew from from USC and he came and played uh, flute on a few tracks that I had done and I submitted that to to the producer and uh, and um, and then they fell in love with that you know that was you know like this especially this main producer he was really excited about it I had then I got some meetings with that then they you know but it still went on it was like a just to be accepted to be hired on the film I think it took like four months oh wow uh, and then, you know, and then I worked for, for you know, in the beginning that I, I think in the first, they wanted me to do like a, uh, uh, help them to line up a temp score to show to investors and stuff like that. So I did that. 
then they, you know, then the, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> there were some, there were some basically back and forth. In one moment, I was then kind of not working on the movie. They were oh not sure that I was the right option, you know, and then finally, you know, after another month passed, you know, then they realized that now that I really, they really should go with me. And, and, uh, you know, finally everything went, went uh, very well and they were really happy, I think, with the results. So basically and, uh, Hollywood is just as fickle in the composition aspect of movie making as they are in everything else. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, and I think in the music, you know, in the music particularly, as it's something so hard, I think, to judge, and it's something that you know exists like in the ether. It's 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 very abstract art, you know. I think it it makes it harder even, you know, to convince somebody. Somehow. Yeah, well, and it's it's something that's personal out of you, but you hope that they see it, hear it, feel it the same way, even though they didn't create it. And how do how, what do you do when you get notes that are like, oh. I mean, it's nice, but like, how do you, how do you respond? It's such a personal thing. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you absolutely, you know, you, you absolutely take the notes in and you do it. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you have to realize that, you know, obviously you're doing music for a, you know, for a, for a project that exists, you know, and it's a, it's always going to be a collaboration. You bring, you know, you bring your point of view, you know, which may or may not be a hundred percent aligned you know with theirs you know and it's a it's a collaboration i mean you know but you have to be very diplomatic but you have to sh show genuine interest in what it is that they want to you know what, what it is that they want to express i mean in working on in Celestine prophecy it was a, it was an interesting it was very challenging for me in the beginning um because i had never really had to do to play in front of somebody you know without having any music so like when i basically after that period when i got then hired again to come to the movie you know the the writer of the movie, uh, the writer uh, of, the, of the film, who was the writer of the book, James Redfield, uh, was really the leading producer, and he was the creative kind of producer, and he's the one that I worked mostly with. You know, so he came to my home, you know, in the beginning of the process, and uh, I remember just like at first, I we just heard to a lot of music together. I wanted to really understand what he was about because he hadn't has had not had really any experience making movies. He was a he was a novel writer, right. And this was his first experience in film. And I felt like it was important to kind of get him familiarized with different types of scores and things. So I just played him like I created him like a playlist and God knows like, so do you like this? Do you like that? No, he doesn't like this, like that, you know, to try to sort of define what is he about, what kind of things he reacts right. rather than me having to do demos and then failing, you know, like every time it was. <laughs> That's it was really so smart. You're like, let's find a lane for you first. Let me let me throw all this stuff at you and then find where you resonate first before I yeah. get to creating. Yeah. Yeah. And then once we, you know, once I got a little bit, you know, I understood him better, then it started to be like, you know, like I started to literally improvise on the piano in front of him and he would say like, oh, so tell me how, how would it sound? You know, I, I think I created like a little theme for the opening of the film. And then he would say, well, that's nice, you know, but how would that sound if you make that sound mysterious, you know? And then I said, well, I would do the mysterious version of that and I would play him something else on the spot without, you know, like I'll just improvise something that would convey something more mysterious. He said, what if it was mystical you know and dark you know what if it was you know and i would do a version of that you know and i would play in front of him and then what if it was you know and, and we spent like days doing this i mean or weeks wow. you know, perhaps without yet writing really not i didn't really get into the you know in the meat and bones of the film until a little bit later this was just a process of discovery and uh which was very useful because i think that allowed us to have a little bit of a, a moment to not not get too technical it was really sort of an exploration of sound and well and what uh, a beautiful gift to have two creatives from totally different aspects of art put a meeting of the minds together to try and create this you know synergistic feeling 
Absolutely. And without at that point, without really, you know, having to care about the technical side of it, oh, how is it going to fit to this scene? How are you going to, you know, that, that, that all came later, you know, in the beginning it was just sort of trying to find a palette of, you know, of emotion, you know, and sounds that would kind of, uh, that he would resonate with, because he's also, I think himself a very intuitive person. He wrote that book, you know, it was his, he came up with the whole, that idea and everything. And I think he wanted to find a music that would really, you know, sort of bring that his his idea to life, you know. So it was it was a beautiful, you know, it was a beautiful opportunity. And I haven't done that in, you know, that was, I think, the only movie that I had such a long time to just like really wander off into, you know, improvising and trying out things and and just seeing his raw reaction to something. You know, I like that or no, that, mm, that's a little bit not quite, you know, he was really just instinctively reacting to things. And then we started to sort of narrow it. And then, you know, all of a sudden we had like a, uh, you know, a main theme for it. And we developed several themes, you know, he would say like, then we created the energy theme and, uh, and the theme for this and the theme for that and all, yeah. you know. Um, and, and, you know, in that process, you know, I got to become really close as well with him because I mean, I had been sort of an admirer of his, his, of his book earlier in life, you know, and then, um, so it was kind of exciting, you know, just to have that opportunity to get to know somebody up, up, up close like that and, and work so closely. He would come and spend hours every day in my home. He literally came for four months. He was like every day in my home for like, two <laughs> hours. it was like, yeah, I mean, at some point it was, he wouldn't even call. He would just like, he would just ring the bell like, he'd come every day and was like, oh yeah, that's probably James. <laughs> yeah. What a unique way to like, catapult a friendship you know i mean you're two artists putting their best into a common goal but kind of getting to know each other personally through that process in a cool way yeah I love that. yeah no it was it was a really beautiful and unforgettable experience and by the end of this it felt like we were connected somehow it was it was you know instead totally. of speaking and like you know we spent time you know doing this and experimenting and then all of a sudden we were like uh, we were so close somehow it was like we were so at ease with each other where in the beginning it had it been for at least for me I don't know for him perhaps a slightly awkward situation because you know there had been some uncertainty on like what was the direction right. to go with music and and this is your first big up. film and you want to do it and right was, and yeah you know, so you know I was I mean I admittedly was terrified you know and I thought this you know I was like I, I had already said to myself you know don't get too excited about this you know just take a take a let's take it you know a day at a time you know and like very calmly. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I was, I was, uh, I think fortunate that it, it just was really wonderful how, how this kind of beginning of the process started, that it sort of really bonded us, I think, and, and allowed us to do something very personal. As such a young composer coming out the gate and, and I love it that you just call the producer and you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. You need to, <laughs> and going through the ups and downs of actually landing the film and, and figuring all that stuff out. Did your family get to see it? Did you get to share uh, that? moment with your mom yeah, or dad or I'm, sister unfortunately, my mother had passed away like back in 1990, uh, 1999 you know so she didn't get a chance and it's a shame because she was the one who read the book and loved it and, and made oh. me read the book like back in the in the mid in the early 90s like i read that book around 93 94 so she would have been like really like amazed that i had that I had worked on this but she didn't but my father and you know the rest of my family saw it and yeah, yeah. And they were all very excited you know that i uh, so, and that was obviously, that was a great, you know, that was a, a very a, sort of a turning point, you know, that was the first turning point, I think, in my yeah. career when it opened up doors, even in Portugal, all of a sudden, like I was the cool kid that was doing a Hollywood movie. And I was just going to say, where does the young hotshot, you know, composer then go? Like at this point, 
because as you mentioned, like not every film you get to call the producer and go, no, 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 you don't understand. Let me put my name in the hat. That doesn't get to happen every time. And it doesn't certainly end up in the same beautiful like life experience every time. Now you've had this great thing and you are the hotshot composer and you're the guy doing main Hollywood films. Like, where do you go from here? What happened in a career setting where you like, that's it, I've launched? Or or were you then met with, oh God, how do I get the next one? Like <laughs> more like more of the second one. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> like all of a sudden, you know, the challenge is even bigger because it's like, oh, like I hope, you know, you hope that you can get a movie that is at the same level at least or or bigger. Yeah. And you know, and it's it's you know, most of the time it's not even possible because these things go a little bit and it's you know, they go in, in little waves, you know, and then sometimes, you know, it just doesn't go like that. But, you know, it, it allowed me to find an agent, you know, and go, I got meetings, I think, with all of the, most of the agents. Are, I, I met with at least three or four agents and, and um, you know, I got to, I, so I got to do that, you know, to try out the agent, uh, the agent thing. And then in Portugal, there were a lot of doors that opened, you know, like people all of a sudden wanted to work with me, which was a cool thing because it gave me more opportunities to just experiment and right. uh, and do more, just work more, you know. Uh and, uh, you know, the, the difficult thing was to find the next, you know, the next projects in America. You know, I, I think I worked like a, a year or, or a couple of years later, I, I got to work on another film that the producer of the film that had the, the one that had uh, the one that I had contacted initially, initially Barnett Bain. Uh, he worked on a, on a TV movie and he, he hired me to do that. So that was, I think, the next American thing that I did. Um but, you know, like I, I basically still continue to always do some work, you know, in Portugal, which was something kind of a, 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 I was fortunate for that because it's just that allowed me to always not really have to go look, do other kind of work. I was going to say, you know? it's amazing because you're getting fed from two entities or you're allowed to at least reach into two capable possibilities. Yeah. Had I been, you know, had I been just, you know, like had I been like American, let's say, and trying to just, you know, penetrate here the industry, I probably would have had to you know, have a second job for sure, you know, like, because it's just the, the, the income that was going to come from the, these projects. It's just that I didn't have enough projects to really, you know, yeah. sustain myself. But with the part, with the, with the projects I was getting from Portugal, I was doing just fine. I mean, I had, a, I had enough work to, to get by and, and, you know, and, and, and pay the bills yeah. <laughs> essentially. Uh, so that was all good, you know, and, and also advanced my experience because every project that you do, you learn so much. I mean, like, you know, you know, I had done all of that, you know, fancy education and everything. And once you get into the real war- world, you know, that's when the real school starts. I mean, like all of a sudden, <laughs> and that's something that you, you just, you never, you never learn that at school somehow. I don't know, because I think it comes from real collaboration with somebody. Even if you're doing something for, to please a teacher, it's still different. You know, it's not a life, pro- it's not a real project that's going to go into the world. There, there are none of those stresses associated when you're doing a piece for school. First of all, it's a musical it's a music teacher, it's a composer. So he has your perspective, you know, it's a, it's a composer's perspective, not a filmmaker's perspective, you know? So they never really give you this opportunity to really collaborate with a filmmaker um, yeah. at school. You know, I did a few uh, uh, student films, but that's again, you know, it's, it's, there, it's, it's also something that where they're experimenting, you know, there's not the pressure that's involved in doing a, a commercial film that's going to go out into theaters and stuff. Um do you have a favorite project you've done thus far? Do you have a, a a film score that you went, that was just, that was everything I have envisioned composing to be? The the process, the outcome, is anything tickled like your fancy? I, <laughs> I think it's kind of hard to say because I think each project has has allowed me to to experiment 
you know, with different things, you know, and, and each of them gave me different fulfillment, you know, like, so I can't, I, I don't think I can pinpoint one project where it's like, you know, wow, that was the, the perfect right. project. But, you know, essentially, I mean, any project where I, where I feel like I can really connect, you know, with, with the filmmaker, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and I enjoy, you know, the, that process of collaboration, you know, it, that's, that's in itself gratifying, you know, uh, but in terms of like one project, I, I just don't think I can pinpoint one. I mean, they're, they're all, they're all rich in, in different ways and allow me to do different things. I, I love, like recently I worked on this film called, uh, Epiphany, which was an independent, uh, film, uh, made by these two, you know, bright, uh, um, directors, you know, like two wonderful women. And, uh, you know, they wanted to, it was a movie that was set in Florida, in a Greek community in Florida called Tarpon Springs. And um, they wanted to use like this uh, Greek influence because the story was about a, a, a girl, you know, that had a, a, a Greek background, you know, so that they gave me the opportunity to try out, you know, I bought a, a several instruments and, you know, and learned to play them. And, you know, like, and that gave me this amazing opportunity to just try out a completely different palette, you know, and I had never experienced that in any other movie in this, in this same way. So like, that was a beautiful experience, but, you know, in other films, I got experiences to work with an orchestra, like on a movie uh, called No God, No Master. Um, I had an amazing relationship with that, with that director. And he gave me an opportunity to work, you know, in an orchestral setting, like I've never had before, you know, yeah. that was amazing, you know, and then, on uh, on the movie Love from Sheldon Candies, you know, like which was a, also another beautiful experience. I got a, a chance to to sort of do a combination of uh, you know a hybrid combination of uh, orchestral music with with uh, you know more sort of urban uh, yeah. urban urban synths and stuff like that. So like I, it's kind of hard to say. You know, they're all beautiful in their own ways. And then you know? every once in a while, you get to score some awesome commercial where I get to come sing with you, and then it gets played in Portugal, and it's just fun. <laughs> no, those those are a lot of fun those yeah those are a lot of fun it's great you know the, the commercial form is it, it was fun for me to work because they're very short you know it's like a, a minute or a minute and a half or something like that and sometimes even shorter and uh you know and you still get to work on it for like two or three weeks but you know it's a back and forth process so you really get to commit all of that time to just one minute so you can get it you know you really get it as good as it can be and you have you know you can really sort of get over perfectionist about it you know because there's that that time to do that and uh i was really fortunate i mean i i haven't done like haven't worked extensively in the commercial world uh i mean i mainly worked with a couple of really talented filmmakers in portugal uh, uh one of them being the one that you collaborated with and, like i remember the first commercial i did in portugal was like a uh, a commercial that star starred uh pierce brosnan in a role <laughs> very similar to a certain known character that we know <laughs> Uh, so it was kind of like a, a pastiche of, of, a, of a James Bond thing, you know, where there was a chase. And, uh, you know, and then with that director, you know, called Marco Martins, you know, who's, who's a really accomplished uh, film director in Portugal. So he has a, a commercials company, but then he directs theater and he directs uh, films and TV series and he does it really on a high level. So I've been fortunate, you know, to really form a wonderful uh, creative relationship with him, you know, working on many commercials and also on films nice. and television series and stuff. And the commercial that you did was like, that was, the, I think, the second commercial I did with him, you know, yeah. and, uh, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I've always had anytime I get to work with you, I have lots of fun. And it's always it's always an adventure in what it's going to be because, you know, they've all had different vibes and feelings and different things. And it's always a good time. When was the first time that we worked on? I was wondering, like, I was trying to think about it earlier today <sighs> Speaking, I was thinking, was it that commercial that we did that was the first thing, or was it before that? I think there was other stuff before. 
I know that you said on a, on a film there was like a little song that we did for for a part of the film. You know that was. Yeah, we've uh, done a, a few, quite a few things actually. If I think back over the years, so I don't yeah. remember the order of of what the, but what was that? it's always been fun, and I love yeah. coming to hang at your house. And you're like, okay, Candice, yeah. one more time. <laughs> <laughs> now I do have to ask you if you're up for it. I have a few standard questions I ask everybody, and and I think they're important because it just gives us a lot of insight to the creative process and the way we evolve as artists. Knowing with the career you've had up to mm-hmm. this day, knowing what you know now and all the things you've learned and all the education and the travel and the back and forth, what would you tell your younger self in high school? Oh, that's a good one. Huh. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would I'll probably go to my father and say, get, get me to learn music earlier. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it wasn't such a bad idea. Give me that guitar back. <laughs> Like why why not earlier? You know, like you know, have some faith in me. Don't don't just put the guitar on me (laughs) once, you know. But (laughs) no, I'm joking. But like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'd probably say just like you know, trust you know, trust your instincts. You know, like and uh, you know, don't get it's gonna you know get ready for a really bumpy ride. You know, it's gonna get it's gonna be full of ups and downs. You know, in in every way, and it's gonna be a lot of stress involved and deadlines and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, don't don't let all of that you know. Uh, forget to have some fun along the way and just enjoying the, you know, in the, in the process of just, you know, creating music, you know, cause that's a really unique, you know, and beautiful experience, you know, that you get, that you get the opportunity to go through and you can get lost, you know, with so much stresses around. So I would just tell myself like, you know, like, don't, you know, like don't sweat the small stuff. There's going to be like stresses and stuff, but it's, you know, remember to have fun. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's true and it's important. And there's so many things you can't control. You might as well, take hold of the things you can and, and embrace the moments that are fun and enjoy it and try to keep your head above water with some happiness and smiles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also another thing that's you know, like, I feel that, you know, you always worry, but somehow at the end of the day, I mean, everything is going to be okay. Right. I mean, at the end, it's always turns, you know, some experiences are better than others. You have challenges and stuff, but you know, when you look back on a, on a project that you did and you remember how stressed you were, you, I always feel stupid. Why was I so stressed? I mean, yeah. it turned out great. Why? Like I could have had so much more fun if I did exactly what I did, but didn't stress about it, you know, but you know, I guess that's one of the biggest challenges in life. I mean, you are, and you know, and no matter what on the next project, you know that you don't need to be stressed, but yet, yet. again, you, <laughs> you, reset, you know, and you go back into that, you know, and hopefully you try to, I mean, I think as I, as I grow, through this, you know, through this business, you know, you, you start to get a little bit better. You, so you have more trust in yourself and trust in the process, you know, just that things work out, there are challenges and stuff, you know, that gets a little bit easier, you know, with the more projects that you do. But that's really maybe one of the, the main takeaways is that like, it's all going to work out, you know, yeah. just enjoy, enjoy, you know. Like, I love it. Cause it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, the sun still rises and sets and the days keep coming and the project will be done and you'll look back and go, I could have had more fun while doing all that great work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'll, and just to add one more yeah. thing, you know, that I, that I would say, it's like, you know, you know, especially, you know, in your twenties, you know, growing up and stuff, you know, you question, you tend to question a lot yourself. You do something and you like it, but then you think, Oh, but is it good? Is it, is it fashionable? Is it, is it the right thing? You know, and I, I would say, you know, don't question so much and like really trust in yourself. If you, if you're genuine about something, if you truly care about something that you're doing, you know, like meaning a piece of music or a style of music or a project that you think that you should develop, but it's maybe unusual or you think that it might not fit to certain patterns, you know, 
if you truly believe that it's you know that it's going to be something meaningful to you, it probably probably will find a place and it will resonate with people. So just like trust yourself, you know, uh, yeah, just stay true to yourself and and chase your your dreams. Like in that from that point of view, from like of not trying to fit into something. But rather trying to make the world feed into what you yeah, you know, being authentic you, to your vision and and yeah, know that it will land in a home. Authenticity is, I think, the most important thing. Like that's maybe the the, the what I take away. You know, after all these years, it's just like a, that's the the gold and the most um, valuable actually asset that we have. I think authenticity is worth you know everything. I couldn't agree with you more. What would you say has been a career high and a career low for you? Okay, so probably a a career high, I would say, probably like, you know, like back in 2011, you know, I was, uh, I was awarded this uh, breakout composer of the year award um, given by this uh, uh, institution, it's called it's the International Film Music Critics Association, which is an institution I really respect. Uh, and uh, being nominated there, you know, next to some like really brilliant names, you know, and and uh, and taking away that that was like absolutely, you know, a, a joy. And it was, and, and you know, it also made like some considerable changes in you know in the opportunities I could get after that. You know, it was really like a, a turning point and a very happy moment. Um, so rightfully so, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. What so would be a career high and then a career, career low? We are low, like basically, you know, every, every time, you know, I'm in between movies. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wondering like, okay, what's going to be the next one? I laugh because it's just so true for all artists. It's like, you know, when you're working and you're doing, it's great. It's great. It's the in-between where you're waiting and you're like, what is my life? <laughs> what am you know, I you doing? Know what I you know what I'll tell you? Like when you ask me the question, no, it just came to me. When you ask me the question, what I would tell my younger self, you know, I would go and ask him, you know, do you like a... Uh, uh, do you like roller coasters? Yeah. You know, like, okay, then, yeah, go go ahead. Just yeah, you're on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. And then my last question for you. It's so true. I'm still laughing. Um, my last question for you is is one that I find important because I think especially in today's day and age where people see from a consumer level so much stuff. Like everybody's got stuff. We live in a time of Kardashians and things yeah. and and stuff. What has been for you a definition of success? And has that term changed for you over your journey at all? Have you thought when you were a young buck, success is this? And now as a working professional in this industry, you kind of go, you know what? Success is this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think maybe for me, what there's there's a realization that there's maybe more than one. I don't think that success is just like a one term that's kind of, you know, uh, there's, I think that there's more than one type of success. I mean, I still think that obviously there's this sort of external success, which is kind of obvious, you know, it's sort of, you know, getting a lot of projects and climbing the, you know, getting better projects, making more money. There's all that conventional, you know, which is, I think still remains what it is, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, but I, I find that that kind of success is something that it's, I think it's something that you're definitely not fully in control of. I mean, obviously, you know, the part that you're in control is like, you know, just working as hard as you can and trying to chase good opportunities and all of that stuff. But still, you know, it's a very like a hard thing to pinpoint how you really chase success, you know. Uh, So I feel that there is like sort of an internal success, you know, which is something that you are fully in control of, which is basically making sure 
that you stay true to yourself, you know, and that you and that you take your, you know, you express your, you express your, you know, musical ideas, and you're able to sort of commit, you know, to bringing ideas, you know, from a conceptual, you know, stage, you know, into, you know, making them, you know, materializing them, you know, and, and finalizing them. You know, yeah. I, I find that that's like, uh, it's a really, like, it might sound something for somebody who's not in music, then, you know, I, I don't know if they'll really understand the concept of that, but it's like, for me, it's one of the hardest thing, hardest things because I have so many ideas. I mean, I'm quite, every day I have like an idea of something that I want to do or, or, or I'll sit at the piano and I'll come, come up with something that I think, oh, this would be a great this, or this would be a great song, or I could do this for, you know, and just sort of having the commitment to, you know, stay with one idea and carry it from the beginning to the end, you know, yeah. uh, and, do, and do that in a very authentic way. That's something that is not just a, another musical piece, but that it's something that actually expresses a side of you, you know, that it's that is genuine and stuff, you know, and to be able to do that and take it all the way to, you know, and, and then, you know, eventually maybe take it out into the world and have yeah. people react to that you know and regardless of the size you know of how many people listen or not just to complete to be able to complete you know any one of these ideas that's like i think uh you can consider yourself uh successful if you're yeah. able to do this once if you're if you're able to do this all the time then i think you're doing pretty well and i feel that you know the other kind of success the you know more traditional yeah. uh you monetary know, stuff, stuff. I, call it, you know I, I think that first of all that's probably likely to follow if you if you if you have internal success, you know, and you yeah. keep repeating that over and over again, I think it's bound to be, you know, the, the other success is just like a wall that's eventually going to like break, you know, break down and, you know, you'll get, but it's also another thing is that, you know, you realize that you, first of all, you don't need that kind of, you don't need this, you know, huge success external one to be happy. You know, like I think that some of the biggest, my happiest moments have been moments of pure creation and you know, moments when you f when you feel like you unlock you know the code of a film you know when you find like okay this is the musical solution for this given film you know you might work like you know two weeks you know tirelessly on something and feel frustrated that you just can't find the right thing and all of a sudden you you do you come up with a tune or something and you look at you know you put it to the scene and it's like now the scene is like completely like comes to life and in that moment there's this kind of indescribable yeah you know, feeling of joy of like of pure joy that you just like, you know, and that's like, uh, you know, that feels amazing, you know, and yeah. I think that's, that's my, my version of, of success. And I love it. And I love what you said, because I think that's such a valuable point that people overlook often, which is if you're living from a successful, authentic place. And in your instance, this relationship of taking an idea through its, you know, existence to a place where it can be appreciated by others relishing in the joy of that accomplishment, I do. I think that sets you up to put out the vibe that makes all the external monetary success and those things follow suit because you are yeah. you are encapsulating a moment into its purest, finest, most beautiful thing. And when that touches other people, then that opens doors. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. When you put something out into the world, it's bound to, you know, it, it, it's going to, it's bound to bring things back to you in some in some form. You know, again, if it comes from this like genuine place where it's something that really resonates with you, and it, you know, it, it'll find its way in the world, I think, and and bring back beautiful things. So. I love it. I adore you, Nino Malo. I am so happy to get to spend this last bit of time with you and just hang out and hear about your life. I learned something new. There are definitely details in there I did not know, so I'm excited for our audience to learn about you. Where should uh, listeners find you if they want to look you up or see what projects you've been working on, are working on? 
So I have my website, which is uh, www.nunomalo.com. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm on social media like everyone else. You yeah. know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. Perfect. And all that we'll put all those here. links in the show notes. Yeah, just Nuno Malo. You know, if you type on Google Nuno Malo and any of these social platforms, it'll, it'll come up. Okay. Sounds wonderful. We are going to promote the heck out of you because I just adore you. And thank you for spending time with me. Thank you so much for this. So this was so casual and so, you know, so wonderful to, to spend this time with yeah, you. Yeah. Easy going, right? Yeah. All right. You will have a wonderful evening. Please tell Ivana hello for me. And Absolutely. let's not make it so long till the next time. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do this. You know, let's do this next week. <laughs> okay. Sounds good to me. We'll have a Zoom party. <laughs> All right. You have a wonderful evening. Thanks for, for coming to say hi to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Alright everybody, today's episode is brought to you by The Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place. I eat there all the time. And let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.